The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We want to thank our online listeners for joining us this morning. Someone please tell me how we form language. Was English at the Tower of Babel? A lot of people just haven't really thought about this. You know, was French at the Tower of Babel? It was not there. All your uh, modern uh, languages that you hear today um, were made up by man. So the French, the German, the Dutch, Norwegian, any language that you can really find some strategic age to most likely did not get assigned during the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, that happens to be, which we're going to show you here very shortly, from the Hebrew, the definition of language. So the tower that was being built was the Tower of Unifying Languages. The original language granted to mankind was what? Hebrew. God is a God of the Hebrew. It doesn't say God's a God of the English. It doesn't say God's a God of the French. It doesn't say God's a God of the German. It doesn't say God's a God of the Greek. Is he their God? Yes, he should be. But God assigns his personhood to a language. Why would that be so important? It would, to a great extent, disallow private interpretation. That's where I'm going. Now, if God actually speaks, how many agree that God speaks? And I hope our podcast listeners are raising their hands, and at least in their minds, all around the world. God does speak. What language does he speak? Parlez-vous français? Sprechen-me Deutsch? Achan Machia? What does he speak? Huh? Hebrew. Hebrew. Now, what happens in the New Testament? When we receive the indwelling life of Christ... What language does the Holy Spirit speak? Now you guys are, it sounds like you're starting to connect the dots here a little bit. The Holy Spirit was put inside you as the interpreter. What we heard and saw or read that they heard and saw in the upper room was a demonstration of the Spirit of the living God that now is going to go inside you. That the, the Holy Spirit can hear your English and turn around and utter words before the Father in a language that only God speaks. God will not speak a language that spun off of the curse that came with multiple languages from the Tower of Babel. That's hypocrisy. That was discipline given to these people. But does he understand 
lingua throughout the entire world. Of course he does. He's the one that stuck it in their tongues. Do demons speak English? If there's a manifestation taking place in some humanoid, Christian or not, I could really care less when it talks about demonic languages. I don't really care if they're saved or not. The fact is, is if it's a demonic manifestation in the form of a language, it's going to sound exactly like the Hebrew says, and that is a babbling fool. Someone walking away from that tower babbling stuff that they themselves have no idea what they're saying because there's no dictionary for that assigned language. Phase two, we need to, whatever this stuff is that's coming out of our mouth, we better put some some definitions to this thing. People just think that the, that God handed these people a language and then said, oh, by the way, here's your dictionary. That is not how it happened. So knowledge had to be birthed from language. And you could make up absolutely anything you want. I have this thing thrown at me from counselees or people that have been listening to you know, me teach or whatever. They call them finneyisms because I make words up and I do it on purpose. I can, add a, I can make up any word I want. And ultimately, it could be put in the dictionary. Go to the Webster Dictionary, you online listeners, and and do search for the word Godship. You're going to find out it's in the Webster Dictionary. We put it in there. It was never a word before. It is in Webster's Dictionary. That's how you do it. Then they have to keep revising and revising and revising the dictionaries because we're making up words. Well, you think that's new to mankind? Dude? Funky? You with me, man? You see, this is how it's done. And what we're doing today to the language is not new. So let's keep in mind God has a language... He speaks to man. He speaks to man through the Spirit. And the Spirit utters words back to God that we can't understand. But the Spirit of God is a translator and can receive the language of a Polyvue Francais person praying or an English person praying or German or Arabic. Well, whoever in the Spirit has been given a special ability to interpret the tongue. Are you with me? So why is it so strange to be given the gift to a man to interpret tongue? It isn't strange. It's all about the Holy Spirit within us who is doing these things, doing the interpretation. So all of a sudden you notice that someone slips out with a tongue. You see, we are so focused on our own language and our own dictionary and our own way of translating things according to that dictionary that we lose sight of the depth and the rich wisdom and knowledge of God that is in God, that is put in us through the Spirit of the living God. 
You have the knowledge and wisdom of eternity, past, present, and future, living, breathing, talking, sharing with the powerful God of not the universe of all. Universe is just what we're looking at when we stare into space. You are being deceived if you think that you're going to see in the night sky darkness when you're standing on the new earth. You are being deceived. This is a black box that has been set aside for mankind and the demonic and Satan himself as a punishment. That's the only part of Darwin's black box that is truth. There is no darkness in heaven. None. And when this globe is set ablaze and tossed into outer darkness, and that would be a quote-unquote, every star is going to be turned out. Every one. The sun, the solar systems are going to be turned off. It's going to be black, 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 pitch dark, outer darkness. And he's going to take this fiery ball that he splits open, tosses the leader into the pit of hell, and then all of his followers and demons. And then he's going to take it, and he's going to toss it into that black box. You and I are deceived if we think what you see at night is going to be in heaven. Either that or God's a liar. And he's not a liar. There is no darkness in heaven. All you will see is everything will be lit up by the Shekinah glory. Not by solar systems. Shekinah glory. But there will be a little black box that you and I call the universe put together for one specific purpose. That's perspective. You have those kind of discussions with a creationist. You have those kind of discussions with people who have studied black holes and solar systems and blah, blah, blah. They understand what I just told you. There has to be an end to the darkness. There has to be edges to the universe. And they're right. So for John to be lifted up into the spirit and to see all that, to see the black box, to see the eternal light that goes on and on and on and however far that way is, that way is a long way. It's never ending. That way is a long way. It's never ending. And to know that this black box sits on a timeline, it'll blow your mind. It's too much for you to think about. Now let's talk about what blocks people from understanding the manifestations of the living Spirit of God. These are not in your notes. These are pieces the Lord asked me to add. Here's what blocks manifestations. Those of you who are online and you open up that PDF, I have updated this file. This is available to you. 
12 things that I, that I believe that the Lord has given me that blocks the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Disbelief. Someone please tell us why disbelief would block the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Sin is birthed on disbelief. So as the person is looking at the face of God through the Holy Scriptures, or maybe it's just in your prayer time, and God says something that is so unbelievable, this is your moment. Disbelief, sin is born, you can forget about the rest. Doesn't even matter. You can take the smartest, most well-studied human that walked the face of the earth, which is the Antichrist, by the way, but let's say one step down to real humanoids. Take that smartest person that has ever lived. And certain humans like to put certain humans in that title. Einstein, he's on the list. Some of the Greek gods that used to be men, they're on the list. Aristotle, you know, different people put their favorites in these places. They're stupid. They're stupid men who think that their intellect can rise above the mind of Christ. They're stupid. There's no other way to say it, folks. They're stupid. Stupid is a word that is used in the Bible 14 times that we can find. It's someone who thinks they know the truth, but they don't know how to walk it out. Number two, no indwelling spirit. If you do not have the mind of Christ in you, isn't it kind of fruitless? <laughs> you think you're going to have a manifestation? Wrong. You will have a manifestation. And that manifestation is certainly not going to be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not living inside you. It will be a demonic manifestation. Please underline this, our online podcasters. Demonic manifestations are primarily based on knowledge. What I know. It comes from the tree of knowledge tree of the spirit of the life of Christ is not what you know, it's who you are. The tree of knowledge people have demonic manifestations of keen insight. You, you can listen to these people talk and you're going, how did you figure that out? They think it's them. Demons know the most intricate details of design. They can't create it, but they certainly can replicate it. So demonic manifestations are always based on knowledge. Spirit manifestations in Christ Jesus is always based upon the knowledge of God. Oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How impossible it is to use Google search for his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. 
There's no way you can research the knowledge of God. It's impossible. You can study the scriptures all day long, 24 hours a day, until you drop dead, and you can't do it. The majority of the people who do study the scriptures go to hell. That doesn't make them in the category of being an indwell believer. The only people that get to go to heaven are the ones who have the indwelling life of Christ. Anyone else who studies the scriptures is trying to get knowledge-based manifestations. So without the indwelling life of Christ in you, it's fruitless. Man's ignorant teachings. Where do we get those? Teachers, Greek, also means fathers. So your fathers are teaching you things because they have been taught things coming down this way. So they teach you things. And it's not necessarily what Jess was reading earlier in that passage is being taught by the Holy Spirit from within who gets the knowledge from the Father. So teachings are the words of a father. These man's teachings can be intermingled within demonic doctrines. What's the primary demonic doctrine that comes to mind that the scriptures speak of? Those who eat vegetables alone are of what? Demonic doctrines. You see, just one simple statement you can build an entire church upon. And what way is the world going in the sense of this issue of demonic doctrines and vegetables? We don't want to eat our our brothers and sisters. That's what's happening. The world is going to, if you would read on a little further to, to what Deborah was reading this morning, you're going you're gonna to find a profound statement being made there by Paul to these intellectual Romans where he says there's, there's going to be a shift. Man is going to start worshiping creature rather than creator. And so why in the world would you eat your brother? Why in the world would you eat your grandma who came back as, as a rabbit? You say, that's not how they're thinking. Well, then you're not very informed on world religions. That's why it's demonic. God gave all things to us to be enjoyed that way. Well, the teachings that are being passed down to us by our fathers are all twisted up. Number five, being a control freak. Why would that affect manifestations? So as I'm speaking and I know that the Lord is wanting to throw out a particular manifestation, whether it's word of knowledge, word of wisdom, speaking in tongues, whatever the case may be, if I get this battle thing going in my mind, Satan knows We are back to number one. People who are control freaks with the Holy Spirit throw themselves into number one and the rest of the list doesn't even matter because you know you have to take action on what you believe. 
So if you believe that the Spirit can do absolutely whatever God tells the Spirit to do inside you, then it will happen. And if there's disbelief, it throws all of this into full, full speed. Number six, fear of losing control. Does anyone here enjoy being a puppet? Because that's what you are. God literally has his hand up in your life. He's supposed to move your mouth the way the spirit is moving because God has his hand up in the spirit. Every word that is uttered by the Holy Spirit is uttered by God. Jesus Christ himself said, For whatever you hear me speak, it isn't I who speaks, but it is my Father who speaks. The Holy Spirit says, For I bring to remembrance the words of Jesus. We're talking about puppets here. No one likes being treated like a puppet. It takes away their independence. It takes away their their own right to think on their own, their own right to perform as their own, their own right to get the rewards. Number seven, man's intellect. You do your own research on intellect and you'll probably be sickened to your stomach when you finally come to the conclusion of the root words connected to intellect. It's right from the tree of knowledge. The term used in the Hebrew of sexual intercourse is to know. Why is there such immorality kept connected to man's intellect and those who are intellectuals, i.e. the Romans? Paul was constantly addressing it. Is because the two mean the exact same thing. Men who have been bound by their intellect are immoral. Competence comes from the word, the Greek word, I can't say that in the Hebrew, but it comes from the Greek word of competition. I will be better than you. I will be smarter than you. Really? Then you're going to be more immoral. Denominational definitions. Well, manifestations mean a different thing to one denomination than it does to another. Indwelling spirit means different things to different denominations. And so forth and so on. Number 10, a know-it-all attitude. Uh, I've got this, been there, done that. I have a degree in theology. I know exactly what this is all about. And I say to that, talk to me about your immorality. Knowledge produces immorality. Why did Christ constantly say to this intellectual generation, the Romans, and say, you adulteresses? Do you not know that friendship with the world? Someone want to finish it? Is hostility toward God. What do you have to throw that in there for? Why did he have to throw immorality in there? He could have just said it without saying that word. Because friendship with the world is all about knowledge. To know, to figure out, to analyze, to calculate, to to be able to understand and to research. 
Why in the world would God say, you can't research me? I'm not on Google. I can only go so far when I Google words in history. I can get into the world library and get some pretty good definitions of words and where they came from and what years supposedly they were introduced. But I cannot understand original interpretation until I get into that pictorial language that God used on Adam and Eve. Number 11, lack of interest. There are some people who have been pre-educated by their own thoughts or at least by the thoughts of others that just on the discussion of the manifestations, they've disengaged. There's just no interest. I'm not going to use them, so why should I be challenged by this? What if, what if the determining factor of salvation, what if the determining factor of salvation was manifestations? Just what if? Finally, number 12 is emergent beliefs. Oh, I believe everything you say. Everything you said today in the sermon I agree with. But there's no action. That's emergence. You're merging human thought with spiritual life. That's what turns things emergent. Lukewarm. So you can't bother these people. You can't harass them. You can't you can't see conviction in their faces. It's kind of like they look at you and they, they go, well, that's kind of, he's passionate about that because that's his thing. Really? Are you no longer moved and aroused by truth and life and knowledge of the holy? People who have dull walks in Christ need to stop and think about what's happened to them. You can be in the midst of a messy sin and still have a passion and love for God and conviction and still be trapped. See, it's not the determination of how many sins you've got going on in your life. It's the determination on the life of Christ that is evident in you. The word tongues comes from the Greek word glossa. There are three findings of this word tongue in the New Testament. We're going to talk about all three. But two kinds of tongues of man and one kind of tongue of angels. What language do the angels of God speak? The heavenly language. Whatever's of the territory of the living God, which is heaven... There's a language. And God wanted to take that language away from the people who were misusing it and put a different language in their tongues. So they could not, this is quote unquote, so they could not unify and understand each other. So that original language that led up to the Tower of Babel is a preserved language. That is spoken. 
by God in his his domain. Tongues from the Hebrew. This is generally used man or animal. We're just not used to thinking that animals have their own way of communicating, but they do. And there are certain noises. You'll be listening to birds and they're chirping and doing different things and we just hear them as noises. But there is communication going on. That's how the Hebrew literally lays this thing out is this babble, this noise that's communing, communicating, bringing unity to whether it's the birds or whether it's people It's communing, communicating, bringing about oneness. Tongue is also taken in a literal sense, of course. And that's where the taste, and that's where the pulling together of even physical things in your mouth that provide enjoyment for you to be able to enjoy the things that God gave you to eat which later we'll talk about that in a spiritual sense. The babbler. It is also one of the key definitions for tongue is the one who speaks of evil. Forked tongue. In the Greek, it's a language of man or angel, is how it's laid out. Or supernatural utterance. Spirit speaking through the tongue of man or it can be evil spirit speaking through man. The misuse is to pretend, to make up, to babble like an animal, to make no sense, to speak of tongues of demons, or assign the spirit to a demonic utterance. You speaking of danger here, to have someone speaking a, a demonic language in their prayer language, and it's actually a demonic manifestation, then they sign Jesus Christ's name to it. That's the danger. Here's our first tongue. The purpose statement is God gives the first tongue to man when he is born. You take this baby... And they're not inherently birthed with English. But as that child relates to human life, there is an automatic assignment to cracker to the sound, this babble that comes out of the the parent's mouth as cracker. They see the cracker, the association of word picture with with a word assignment is what brings language. Why is that important? Is this simple reason. God has a pictorial language and then there's this babble that is used, this modern language, and it's the pictorial in which you and I think in. It is not we think in English or French or German. We don't think in those languages that we classify as what we speak. We think in pictures. I say couch, you think of a couch. If I say sun, you think of the sun. If I say whatever, 
That's what you think of. That's what's communicating to you is the picture. And that all happens when we are born physically. The family and friends in that culture, the child grows up, helps them develop this tongue in the child that communicates the word pictures that are the same in every universal language throughout the entire world. The chair in Russia is a chair in America. A tree in southern Arabia is a tree in America. How you say it through your babbling is completely different. Very important to keep in mind when God speaks to you. God gives a second kind of tongue of man when God deems it necessary. And this tongue is a supernatural manifestation of God giving to man and language a language that he has never learned or she has never learned. The first tongue is simply the tongue you and I learned as we are trained up as children. Many family members teach their children several languages. This is because children notice multiple languages more quickly than adults do. No matter how many languages you teach your children, they are all of this type of tongue. So I can say uh, cracker in English and I can say cracker in a different moment in a different language. The cracker changes, right? No, cracker is a cracker. Are you with me? If you are, you'll be able to walk this into the Greek very quickly. A cracker is a cracker. In Jerusalem and in America. Say it in French, say it in English, say it in Hebrew. It's a cracker. Second tongue. The second tongue was used for the fiery tongues appearing upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 3. It was a tongue and an earthly language. The apostles were given tongues of the other men so foreigners in the room could understand. Keep reading on that passage and you'll see it. This language is a foreign, is foreign, or a strange language that one did not learn but was was enabled to speak because of the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit. So as I was on stage that day in Uganda... And then I started singing that in Luganda. That was a Holy Spirit intervention. I have never learned Luganda to this day. I didn't prepare before I went on the trip for their language. I just showed up in the country. They understood what I was saying because it was in their language. But I didn't understand what I was saying. I had to have an interpreter to tell me what I was saying. These were languages uh, foreign to the speaker, which he or she never learned, but was enabled to speak at that time because it was at that time that God needed it or wanted to bless you with. Rarely is someone given a foreign language and it stays with them. It has happened. 
I have a very dear friend that that happened to. He was given a very instant understanding to Russian, and it stayed with him. Well, that's probably because he was going to be called back to minister in that setting over and over and over. But it does happen. They just pick it up like really, really super fast. And you're like, man, you must be smart. It has nothing to do with smartness. This gift is never to be used unless there is ears to hear. Why would God manifest in this way if there were no listeners to hear what God needs to say? The third tongue. Third tongue was used for private and personal reasons like prayer, often referred to as a prayer language. But there can be times when God was sending a message to his people through a body member acting as a messenger. And this is why we need the interpretation. Because if God is speaking inside that believer and that believer rattles off what is being said, the two gifting as the Holy Spirit is inside the indwelt believer and the, the uh, language itself, so you have interpreter and you have receiver. And these are always working together in order for it to accomplish its ultimate mission. People who speak in tongues of angels edify themselves, and that's exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 4 says. This is because of the overwhelming feeling it gives the person when the angelic tongue is spoken through them. So it becomes addictive. They want that feeling, that that out of control feeling, that being taken over by someone else or something else. So they just start rattling it off. Every time there's someone who's praying, it just starts coming out. Well, the question asked be asked is what really and who really is doing the babbling? The body member is given the privilege of joining the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit's communion with God. Someone please look up James chapter 4. Read verses 5 and 6. So who's jealous about what? For God jealously desires the spirit within the believer. These blockages that we talked about, they, they get in the way. It's hostility toward God in it. It, it stops what's going on in the design between God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. This is critical. These blockages create this, 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 this moment of jealousy between God and you. For God jealously desires to have communion, oneness, communication with the Holy Spirit that is within you. 
This isn't about you or your ability to speak in tongues. It doesn't impress God, man, or angels. It's not impressive to speak in tongues. It's one of the least among these gifts. What is important is God has this fellowship with the Holy Spirit that lives within you. That's what's important. This type of tongue, when spoken publicly, must have an interpretation. When God manifests himself in this way, he is delivering a message to the body, or some, in some cases, uh, into the unsaved world. If a body member speaks in tongue when there is no interpretation, this person is seeking to edify him or herself publicly. Correction is needed in these cases. Body members who use speaking in tongues are often selfish and controlling. They claim God all the time. Well, who's to argue with God? Many who are extremists use this manifestation to cause division. If they cannot convince their church or ministry that everyone needs to speak in tongues or have the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the second blessing, they leave the church and they go and find a church that will support their doctrines, which is what Jess was talking about earlier in her sharing with us is rewriting a gospel of self. If you try to correct someone who is out of place with using these manifestations is where you're going to find the test as if they really got it. All of God's gifts and manifestations are practical and God uses them not to build up the self, but to build up the body of Christ. That's the whole purpose. Most believers who can categorize, who can be categorized are as extreme emetics. That's a finneyism. I added that to the dictionary. As to prove my point earlier, do not understand authority. They believe that they hear from God directly and not from the leadership that God has placed over them or around them. But it is always I hear God directly. It disengages authority around them. That is how Satan is going to take over the world. It's his method to get people disengaged with authority around them and to hear these spirits. Well, who, who's in charge of these spirits? Please stay with me on this. You've got to understand that to get someone to rebel against authority and hear from a spirit guide, you've got to ask the question, who's in charge of the spirit guides? Satan is. So the way Satan can guide an entire world to ultimately serve him is through rebellion against authority and hear your own spirit guide. Some people call it self. Some people will be bold enough to call it what it is. And that is a demonic being. I think it is the most clever thing Satan has ever come up with. To truly get rebellion against authority throughout the entire world while they turn internally to hear some kind of voice and knowledge and manifestation of some spirit. 
may even call it was my own intellect that came up with that and Satan's going boy are you deceived because if you think you can conceive thought you're as deceived as I am no man can have his own way his own God his own future his own present his own past no man can have that they are a liar and being lied to to think that they have control over their own destiny it is demonically imposed. So for Satan to get people to disengage from authority is of zero value to him. He's going to win in the long run. Deception is the dirt that goes over your casket. And that's how most people are going to go to their grave, lied to, deceived, thinking they're in control, thinking they've got it all figured out, thinking that whatever. And they're going to get on the other side of that casket and go, you've got to be kidding me. He was in control of me the whole time, not saying God, but Satan. Through my own knowledge. There's a group out there, Secret Society, that came up with this idea. In 1100, I believe it was before that, but it's documented in world history during 1100 sometime. If we just get people to gain knowledge according to degrees, we can have control of the knowledge of the degree in that mind. We'll tell them what they need to know on each level of the degree. And as they keep attaining higher and higher levels, we will tell them more and more and more about what's really going on. So when they get highest as they possibly can get on the degrees, someone steps up and says, Oh, by the way, Jesus Christ and Satan are brothers. And they're going to have it out. And who's going to be the great architect of the universe? You know what? Any of you who are in that movement, I want you to listen very carefully because I agree with you. I agree there is a great architect. I agree that there is one God of that black box, that universe. I believe what you're saying, but it is not heaven. And Jesus won't be in your black box. And you'll have all of what you sowed. The reaping that's going to come back on you and all of your little levels, you will be given the fruit of that. And we've adopted these silly degrees. Of you just put a little more knowledge in front of someone to the higher and higher degrees that you get of knowledge. While their divorces are being, their marriages are being thrown into divorce and knowledge is bringing destruction. I believe what Solomon said in the last chapter in Ecclesiastes, he said, for the devotion to books is weariness to the body. Well, that actually translates out in the Hebrew as destructive. Knowledge destroys your body. It breaks you down. 
It wears you out. Why? So the great architect can control you in your thoughts. This reinforces what they believe, this person who or group that actually believes they're directly hearing from God could be a demonic being, could be a demonic group that is actually gaining access to controlling that person's mind and life. This gaining more and more knowledge is, is, is putting a back support to the person where they can't back out of it anymore. And they get stuck. They get pushed closer and closer to the one who controls knowledge. And they're faced with that. To where they get to an old age and they're one of the smartest men that walk the face of the earth. And they wake up one morning and go, what was this worth? That is exactly what Einstein said. What's the point? There is no point to knowledge. It gives you nothing. Except for opens the door of someone else or another system to control you. The deceptive thing is that they do not believe that they're divisive. These people who use this tongue to be hearing from God all the time don't even realize they're being divisive. They move quickly, quietly, and are very deceptive. They gather their own and they plot to gain more and more members of that particular church belief system, or I would even classify it as a religion. I want to show you something here. This time chart in respects of the gospel will help you understand that the term second blessing needs to be kept in its place in God's timeline because there is no second blessing after the cross. So, the Old Testament, we have the Father's ministry, and this is God speaks through angels. And then Jesus is born, this is his time on the earth, so God speaks through Christ. Angels, Christ. And what's coming off of his tongue? So this is his son's ministry. This is the father's ministry. Then you have the cross, the pathway to freedom. This 40-day walk that he took on the earth, he went to every single town that he preached in initially. This is the first generation of believers. God speaks through the disciples. Are you with me? God speaks through angels. God speaks through Christ. God speaks through the disciples. He is setting up leadership. He's setting up how God reveals the words and knowledge of of the holy into these disciples. Why does each one of them get their name above the 12 gateways into the new Jerusalem? That's called duh. So Satan wants those names erased. The authority of God's leaders erased on the earth. No gateways. Get it directly. And that's what we're warring with in the church today. Then, after the ascension, Christ ascended. 
unto his Father. The Holy Spirit descends. The laying on of hands that took place after this experience in Pentecost. The laying on of hands is because there were thousands of people who heard by the hearing of their ear. There isn't a Holy Spirit in them. The disciples themselves didn't even have the Holy Spirit put inside them until after the ascension. This is transitional. If you build a church on any one of these blocks, you're going to have the Jewish church, you're going to have the Catholic church, you're going to have the charismatic movement, you're going to have all these denominations. Denominations are birthed through a phase of the timeline of God. That's how it's done. So each of these can become denominations, or you can see them as the full gospel. So now as the disciples are going laying hands on people that they too may receive the power of the Holy Spirit, this is their moment of salvation. If someone died before they received the Holy Spirit, they're not going to heaven. This is critical. And that's why the second blessing, deception, was born. They are taking... You heard by the hearing of your ears, but now you need to let me lay hands on you so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second blessing was born. It was actually birthed out of the dark ages in Europe. This whole second blessing idea. This was not a part of the gospel. So therefore there was this charismatic manifestation. If you're really saved, you're speaking in tongues. Really? Where'd you get that exactly? They can't explain it to you. I have shared this with charismatic pastors and I have watched the Holy Spirit silence them because they there's no way around this history. There's no way of getting around this. They have to look at it and go, what have we done? charismatic movement Baptist movement Old Testament law the Jews Jehovah Witnesses it goes on and on just Jehovah that's how these these different parts of world religion are birthed This is the gospel being unfolded in its conclusive form. Everyone who was saved after the age of the apostles, when they received the Holy Spirit, they received the indwelling life of Christ, and this is all believers from that day on. That's why the exchange life is absolutely the primary message in the entire world today. In order to get rid of all of these demonic little categories and to unify the true body of Christ, they have to understand it was all one one mission. This is all one flow. So that every person who heard by the hearing of their ears and received the Holy Spirit through salvation 
are in this category. Online listeners, you can get this by going back to our library, wherever you picked up this audio. You should be able to pick up the PDF. Open up that PDF. Scroll down those slides until you see this diagram. Those of you who are of the deception of the second blessing, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at drfinney at IOM, that's M as in man, IOMAmerica.org. Write out your question, and I would love to have a dialogue with you on this. The most controversial topic in the entire Christian world is based around this timeline. Okay, in conclusion, the third tongue, bottom line is this. Unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known to others? How will they know what you're speaking? These people are speaking into the air if it is outside the order of God. That's 1 Corinthians 14.9. There are many kinds of languages in the world and no kind is without meaning. 1 Corinthians 14.10. And if we don't know the meaning of the language, we are the foreigner. And the one speaking the tongues will be foreign as well because... It may be given to them supernaturally or vice versa. Interpreters is necessary. If anyone does speak in a tongue in the church, it should be by two or three at the most. Each in turn, God is a God of order, and each and every tongue needs an interpretation. If there is not an interpreter, the body member is to keep silent in the church and use this gift manifestation in their prayer closet before God himself. Therefore, those who seek to be zealous with the gifts and manifestations of God should seek to abound in the gifts that edify edify the church, not themselves. Danity Matter statement for today is, it is through the perfect indwelling life of Jesus that produces manifestations in the believer to glorify the Father who is in heaven. All forms of, of self-evident manifestations is used by Satan. If you've been impacted by today's message, we ask that you would click on the donate button located on our website. We are here thanks to those who have responded to the Holy Spirit and have contributed. Without donors like you, we wouldn't be able to continue to offer our resources to disciples and pastors around the world at no charge. On behalf of IOM America, I thank you for your support. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.